This is Chapter Thirty Seven of Personal Recollections of Joan of Arc. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Personal Recollections of Joan of Arc by Mark Twain. Volume Two, Book Two, Chapter Thirty Seven. Again to Arms. Now these were nobles, you know, by decree of the king. These precious old infants but they did not realize it they could not be called conscious of it it was an abstraction a phantom to them it had no substance their minds could not take hold of it no they did not bother about their nobility they lived in their horses the horses were solid they were visible facts and would make a mighty stir in domremy Presently something was said about the coronation, and old Dark said it was going to be a grand thing to be able to say when they got home that they were present in the very town itself when it happened. Joan looked troubled and said, "'Ah, that reminds me. You were here, and you didn't send me word. In the town, indeed. Why, you could have sat with the other nobles and been welcome, and could have looked upon the crowning itself and carried that home to tell.' Ah, um, why did you use me so and send me no word the old father was embarrassed now quite visibly embarrassed and had the air of one who does not quite know what to say but joan was looking up in his face her hands upon his shoulders waiting he had to speak so presently he drew her to his breast which was heaving with emotion and he said getting out his words with difficulty there hide your face child and let your old father humble himself and make his confession i i i don't don't you see don't you understand i could not know that these grandeurs would not turn your young head it would be only natural i might shame you before these great per father and then i was afraid as remembering that cruel thing i said once in my sinful anger oh appointed of god to be a soldier and the greatest in the land and in my ignorant anger i said i would drown you with my own hands if you unsexed yourself and brought shame to your name and family ah uh, how could i ever have said it and you so good and dear and innocent i was afraid for i was guilty you understand it now my child and you forgive do you see even that poor groping old land crab with his skull full of pulp had pride isn't it wonderful and more he had conscience he had a sense of right and wrong such as it was he was able to find remorse it looks impossible it looks incredible but it is not i believe that some day it will be found out that peasants are people yes beings in a great many respects like ourselves and i believe that some day they will find this out too and then well then i think they will rise up and demand to be regarded as part of the race and that by consequence there will be trouble whenever one sees in a book or in a king's proclamation those words the nation they bring before us the upper classes only those we know no other nation for us and the kings no other nation exists but from the day that i saw old dark the peasant acting and feeling just as i should have acted and felt myself i have carried the conviction in my heart that our peasants are not merely animals beasts of burden put here by the good god to produce food and comfort for the nation but something more and better 
you look incredulous well that is your training it is the training of everybody but as for me i thank that incident for giving me a better light and i have never forgotten it let me see where was i one's mind wanders around here and there and yonder when one is old i think i said joan comforted him certainly that is what she would do there was no need to say that she coaxed him and, and petted him and caressed him and laid the memory of that old hard speech of his to rest laid it to rest until she should be dead then he would remember it again yes yes lord how those things sting and burn and gnaw the things which we did against the innocent dead and we say in our anguish if they could only come back which is all very well to say but as far as i can see it doesn't profit anything in my opinion the best way is not to do the thing in the first place and i am not alone in this i have heard our two knights say the same thing and a man there in orleans no i believe it was at uh, beaugency or, or one of those places it, it seems more as if it was at beaugency than the others this man said the same thing exactly almost the same words a dark man with a cast in his eye and one leg shorter than the other his name was was uh, it is singular that i can't call that man's name i had it in my mind only a moment ago and i know it begins with no i don't remember what it begins with uh, but never mind let it go i will think of it presently and then i will tell you well pretty soon the old father wanted to know how joan felt when she was in the thick of a battle with the bright blades hacking and flashing all around her and the blows rapping and slatting on her shield and blood gushing on her from the cloven ghastly face and broken teeth of the neighbor at her elbow and the perilous sudden back surge of massed horses upon a person when the front ranks give way before a heavy rush of the enemy and men tumble limp and groaning out of saddles all around and battle-flags falling from dead hands wipe across one's face and hide the tossing turmoil a moment and in the reeling and swaying and laboring jumble one's horse's hoofs sink into soft substance and shrieks of pain respond and presently panic rush swarm flight and death and hell following after and the old fellow got ever so much excited and strode up and down his tongue going like a mill asking question after question and never waiting for an answer and finally he stood joan up in the middle of the room and stepped off and scanned her critically and said no i i don't understand it you are so little so little and slender when you had your armor on to-day it gave one a sort of notion of it but in these pretty silks and velvets you are only a dainty page not a league striding war-colossus moving in clouds and darkness and breathing smoke and thunder i would god i might see you at it and go tell your mother that would help her sleep poor thing here teach me the arts of the soldier that i may explain them to her and she did it she gave him a pike and put him through the manual of arms and made him do the steps too his marching was incredibly awkward and slovenly and so was his drill with the pike but 
he didn't know it and was wonderfully pleased with himself and mightily excited and charmed with the ringing crisp words of command i'm obliged to say that if looking proud and happy when one is marching were sufficient he would have been the perfect soldier and he wanted a lesson in sword-play and got it but of course that was beyond him he was too old it was beautiful to see joan handle the foils but the old man was a bad failure he was afraid of the things and skipped and dodged and scrambled around like a woman who has lost her mind on account of the arrival of a bat he was of no good as an exhibition but if laire had only come in that would have been another matter those two fenced often i saw them many times true joan was easily his master but it made a good show for all that for laire was a grand swordsman what a swift creature joan was you would see her standing erect with her ankle-bones together and her foil arched over her head the hilt in one hand and the button in the other the old general opposite bent forward left hand reposing on his back his foil advanced slightly wiggling and squirming his watching eye boring straight into hers and all of a sudden she would give a spring forward and back again and there she was with the foil arched over her head as before laire had been hit but all that the spectators saw of it was a something like a thin flash of light in the air but nothing distinct nothing definite we kept the drinkables moving for that would please the bailey and the landlord and old laxart and dark got to feeling quite comfortable but without being what you would call tipsy they got out the presents which they had been buying to carry home humble things and cheap but they would be fine there and welcome and they gave to joan a present from pere front and one from her mother the one a little leaden image of the holy virgin the other half a yard of blue silk ribbon and she was as pleased as a child and touched too as one could see plainly enough yes she kissed those poor things over and over again as if they had been something costly and wonderful and she pinned the virgin on her doublet and sent for her helmet and tied the ribbon on that first one way then another then a new way and then another new way and with each effort perching the helmet on her hand and holding it off this way and that and canting her head to one side and then the other examining the effect as a bird does when it has got a new bug and she said she could almost wish she was going to the wars again for then she would fight with a better courage as having always with her something which her mother's touch had blessed old laxart said he hoped she would go to the wars again but home first for that all the people there were cruel anxious to see her and so he went on they are proud of you dear yes prouder than any village ever was of anybody before and indeed it is right and rational for it is the first time a village has ever had anybody like you to be proud of and call its own and it is strange and beautiful how they try to give your name to every creature that has a sex that is convenient it is but half a year since you began to be spoken of and left us and so it is surprising to see how many babies there are already in that region that are named for you first it was just joan then it was joan orleans then joan orleans beaugency pate and now the next ones will have a lot of towns and the coronation added of course yes and the animals the same they know how you love animals and so they try to do you honor and show their love for you by naming all those creatures after you insomuch that if a body should step out and call joan of arc come 
uh, there would be a landslide of cats and all such things, each supposing it was the one wanted, and all willing to take the benefit of the doubt, anyway, for the sake of the food that might be on delivery. The kitten you left behind, the last stray you fetched home, bears your name now, and belongs to Père Fonte, and is the pet and pride of the village, and people have come miles to look at it, and pet it, and stare at it, and wonder over it, because it was Joan of Arc's cat. Everybody will tell you that, and one day, when a stranger threw a stone at it, not knowing it was your cat, the village rose against him as one man and hanged him, and but for Père Fronte, there was an interruption. It was a messenger from the king, bearing a note for Joan, which I read to her, saying he had reflected, and had consulted his other generals, and was obliged to ask her to remain at the head of the army and withdraw her resignation. Also, would she come immediately and attend a council of war? Straightway, at a little distance, military commands and the rumble of drums broke on the still night, and we knew that her guard was approaching. Deep disappointment clouded her face for just one moment and no more. It passed, and with it the homesick girl. And she was Joan of Arc, commander-in-chief again, and ready for duty. End of chapter 37